Welcome to the Rooted Podcast. I'm Melissa. And I'm Timothy. Join us as we deepen our biblical roots by having real conversations about real faith. Alright, welcome back to the Rooted Podcast. We are starting book four today in Your Christianity. What is this, episode 13? Is that 13. what you told me? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, he has not been on the podcast before. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, guys. My name is Nathan. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on here. Yeah. 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 So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Nathaniel? <laughs> oh, boy. Can I call you Nathaniel? You can, sure. Is okay. that your I, full name? My full name is Nathaniel. Oh, okay. No one really calls me that. My mom would call me that when I was a kid and I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of ruined it. Mm-hmm. I've been Nathan ever mm-hmm. since. But... Yeah, that is my full name, and uh, I guess a little bit of background. Um, I grew up a few hours north of Owensboro, up in a kind of western Indiana, I guess you could say. Uh, moved here from Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, last fall, and uh, didn't really know anybody in town. So that was a bit of a bit of a transition, but through a friend of a friend, I got involved pretty quickly here at Walnut, and uh, basically just dove right in, and have have really loved it over the last. I guess been eight nine months now, so yeah. yeah. We still call you the new guy. You do still call me the new guy, yeah. So Jeremiah, I don't know where he thinks he gets the authority to make these sorts of decisions, but Jeremiah has decreed, I guess you could say, that I will be the new guy for five years at least. So I'm about. I think I've got. I should have a little like countdown next to my like next to my bedside table, but I think I've got about four years, three months, and maybe two weeks okay. left. Okay. Just stretch so. your little tallies on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So again, I don't know who he thinks he is or why he gets to make these decisions, but but yeah, I got I got a few years left. Okay. Very Jeremiah of him. Yeah, it is. You just gotta invite someone, and then they can be the new guy. I've, I've been trying. You know, I'm trying yeah. to trying to get some of my you know a lot of. Most of my longtime friends are obviously not from Kentucky, so try to get some people down here, and I'll, I'll be honest with them. I'm like, you know, I don't know if you really like this town, but I'm tired of being called the new guy, so get your butt, <laughs> get your butt down here. So. I mean, that, yeah, that's, I that's reason enough to leave your current home sure. to move somewhere else that you've never been before. Yeah, yeah I, I think like, so. I'll put my house on the Walmart this weekend, buddy. <laughs> 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 <Right> there. <laughs> well, we would like for yeah. you to lie to us today, twice, and then <laughs> truth to us once. Man, this, this throws me off. I was saying to Jeremiah earlier, this throws me off so much, the two lies and the truth. But I guess if, if we're going to start a podcast, we have to encourage dishonesty from the very beginning. Yeah, so, right. that's right. our policy. Right, dishonesty. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. The only thing we're honest about is how much we hate the dentist. <laughs> how much Timothy hates the dentist. We collective. I'm part of an organization now, the oh, PWHD, yeah. People Who Hate the Dentist. People Who Hate the Dentist, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can join if you want to. Hmm. I'll think. Give me, give me a sign up sheet. I'll, uh, okay. I'll sign up. I'll work that? on that for the next episode. <laughs> uh, but yes. So if you have your last ready. Okay. Well, I just thought of these maybe ten minutes ago, so we'll see how this goes. But <laughs> let's go with this. So number one is I have had nine different addresses in my life, home addresses. Number two is I have played coming up on about 700 different disc golf courses in my life. Uh, the third, I guess while we're on the topic of numbers, um, I've been in four car accidents, and I've been at fault in not a single one of them. Dang. Interesting. I feel like 700 just... golf courses? Uh, disc golf. Dis- uh, yeah, disc golf courses. What 700 different ones, not like 700 times. No, 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 no. So each like individual course, yeah. like at a different park, counts okay. as one. Yeah, I see. So about seven, 
Uh, I'm estimating, but about 700 different ones. Okay. That's crazy. That's a lot. That is a lot. Okay, so let's just pretend that the nine addresses thing is true. Okay. Then that makes the 700 disc golfing locations be a little more feasible, even though that still is not... That seems very not feasible, though. Dude, 700? That is a lot. I've been to maybe two. (laughs) (laughs) You got 698 to go. (laughs) And then... Four car accidents. You look. You look good. <laughs> in four car accidents. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna say the car accident thing. That's, gonna that's what I'm gonna accidents? guess. Because I, I think if he's had nine ad- addresses, mm-hmm. he could have been to seven hundred. So. That's true. That's true. Mm. I'm going to say. Yeah, I'll go with that. You're going with that? Yeah. You're picking that as the truth, right? Yeah. 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 Logic. I'll go with that, too. Okay. I'll go with my logic. Am I right? Yeah, so we've got one of two possibilities here. Either you guys are really smart or I'm a terrible liar because you're both right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, wow. So that is true. Oh. I've been in four car accidents, and none of them have been my fault at all. Um, I got basically rear-ended twice, hit on the side once by a guy who didn't see me in his blind spot. Mm. And one time in a particularly rough part of Chicago, I got in a hit and run. Okay. So those was, are, those are my that, four. What was the... Was so two, two... I had two... Got rear-ended two, twice. Okay, once gotcha. was in kind of suburban Chicago. Once was in Texas. Okay. Um, I got in a hit and run in like inner city Chicago. Okay. That was three. And then literally... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Timothy's cracking up so much over here. Because I'm stupid. It's the hundredth time I've done this. Did, did I was picking it? that as the lie. I thought so. I asked. Wait, hold on. I thought you were like, the nine addresses, the 700. It's all feasible. Wait, hold on. It I works thought, together. Did you not pick that as the He was, but he got it backwards. You, <laughs> you got it backwards, but you were right. <laughs> okay. That's actually happened. That happens every time with oh you because you picked mine. Do you remember that? Yeah. You picked mine, and, and it was right. But he what was like, gosh, moments. I don't know which one it is. And I'm like, you just said it. I don't know. <laughs> what is yeah. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> start laughing in the middle of you talking about being in some car accident. <laughs> I, it just hit me, and I just started losing. I was trying so hard not to laugh. Oh, man. So have you had several addresses, though? Yeah, so what did I say, nine? nine. I don't even know what I said because it was a lie. Um, <laughs> I think I've had 11 different oh, addresses. okay. I was thinking lower, but yeah, it was higher. No, it was higher. It's definitely higher. Um, and then disc golf courses, I'm at, I've got a whole list, but I think I'm just shy of 600. So okay. my, my goal, wow. my, kind of my goal is to hit 600 this year. Okay. So hopefully 700 a few years down the road. Do you travel far to do that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of been... I've been playing for really since I was a kid, like 15 years now, but uh, something both in like childhood and adult life, partly it kind of coincides with the moving around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd always just go out and play a bunch of new places. And I've also, you know, not being from this area, I have friends all over the map. So I go and, you know, visit them and we play together. So it kind of goes hand in hand with traveling, which I love to do. So it happens somewhat naturally over time. Yeah, that's cool. Speaking of traveling all over the map, uh, Ooh, map. Hey, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is something that, is, that I almost said St. Louis. <laughs> uh, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I'm drunk or something. Uh, brings up as an example in this chapter we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We're going to be doing chapters one and two 
in today's episode of Book which, Four, which was news to me, by the way, because I come, I got to, I got to uh, uh, give Jeremiah a little, uh, little crap here because I come in and I'm thinking, you know, he told me, hey, do you want to be on the podcast for chapters one through four? And me, like a logical person, I'm thinking, okay, that's one episode, chapters one through four. <laughs> then I come in here and he's like, oh no, one to two is one episode, and three to four is another episode. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I'd eaten more earlier. <laughs> Oh, anyway, there's of, there's my spiel. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We thought that's you'd listen to enough episodes that you would understand the procedure, but clearly I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, now that we're on this topic, how many episodes have you listened to? So I caught up. I was a kind of a late convert. Um, okay. I didn't listen to any of season one until basically season two was coming out. This was makes sense. Maybe you didn't know us three, so. <laughs> maybe three months ago. Uh, so I listened to. Basically all of season one, minus a couple of the Christmas episodes. And then season two, I've been a little sporadic. Like, I've listened to a couple, and I've missed a couple. That's actually a lot more than I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Well, well, kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> you might be her biggest fan. No, other but. than Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah's listened to all of them, right? Several Multiple times. times. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All, all right, right, so let us get into this. So... Big thing about book four mm-hmm. is doctrine and theology, theology, which is something we've not we've not jived <laughs> with with this man on uh, yeah. throughout this book. Uh, so I went into I went into this kind of pretty skeptical, mm-hmm. not gonna lie, uh, but I was pretty impressed with this chapter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I enjoyed really all four, and um, they kind of seem like they build on one another, and um, they kind of you know he makes a a point. Um, with all of them, and yeah, I really liked them. So, how would you guys want to kind of summarize this chapter before we start jumping into it? So I would maybe start with with uh, chapter one, just looking at the first paragraph. It talks about, or he talks about, a phenomenon that we see, I would say a decent amount in the church is just, you know, a kind of distaste for theology in general, right? Like, just give me the basic stuff. I don't want to get into the weeds. I don't want to maybe learn more. I find it off-putting, so on and so forth, right? And I'm guessing, if we're being honest, we've all heard that from time to time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or some people that are maybe afraid to dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe feel like it's not for them. It's more for, like, a, you know, like an academic type. Yeah. Um, Like the, uh, I I know some pastors who have, uh, who... Say people just think of us as like the professional Christians, you know, they offload all the all the difficult stuff, all the hard stuff. Like you guys deal with that. Just give me the most basic mm-hmm. basic ideas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of sad that that's a legit thought process that people have when it comes to Christianity and being in the church. They're so like, you know, I come to church and I do my weekly things. You know, I come in the pew, I listen to the sermon, I sing some songs, and then I and then I go home. And, you know, I don't have to focus on all this all this deep stuff. You know, like, let's leave that for the pastors. And it's just kind of sad that that's, like, a legitimate problem that the church has, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah. yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. I, t- I tend to think it comes down to a couple of things. So the first is there's an intimidation factor, mm-hmm. right? Naturally, if you're even if newer to the faith, but maybe even not new at all, but it might just seem completely over your head, right? It's too complicated. I can never understand that, so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But I also, maybe even more so than the intimidation thing, I tend to think it's just there's a certain aspect of laziness or just apathy, right? Like it's a lot, it would be a lot easier for us to say, okay, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. 
yeah, okay, I've got what I need, move on, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to say, okay, I, you know, I really care about progressing my walk with the Lord, and I'm going to learn as much about Him and as much about God's Word as possible. Right. Right, that takes work, it takes effort, and a lot of the time we don't like to put in that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he kind of touches on that, um, maybe the idea of not like putting in work um, to learn about theology and doctrine. Um, when he gives the example of the, um, of the military man who said he um, experienced God in the desert. Oh, yeah. And then he says um, later, he talks about just kind of that the feeling is exciting, but it doesn't naturally lead anywhere because it's just this one experience and there's nothing around that. Um, and so I think maybe because you don't want to be void of feeling either, you know, because that's just, that is just doctrine. Like that is just religion. Um, and so I think that's good, like a good thing that he points out. And just to say that, um, if you, you experience God, um, with this feeling and then you can search out in with doctrine and, you know, and different things like that and to learn more about God in that way, I would say. So that's, I don't know, I don't know if that's a direct summary, but I would say that's something good to pull from this. For sure. No, and I really liked the uh, the desert example there because, again, that's per- like that in and of itself is perfectly legitimate, right? Like we've all had wonderful experiences with God mm-hmm. outside of the walls of a church, right? Or at least I hope we have. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Right, but if that's where, if we leave it at that, mm-hmm. you know, that's a fleeting moment, a feeling that's, you know, there one moment gone the next, mm-hmm. right? And if that's all we ever get, then we don't know God at all, yeah. right? We can't just, and again, I tend to think it comes back to a sort of apathy where we say, no, that's it. That's all I need. No work the, the, on my the, end. The pastor can give me what I need. <laughs> yeah. I think apathy, but then also, I really do think sometimes it's generational with, um, if you've not had a model of like, oh, let's like dig into Bible study um, or dig into God's word. If it's something where it's like, oh, like church is what you do, you know, I mean, 50 years ago, it was like a like good household went to church every Sunday and they're, they probably weren't encouraged at that time to like, you know, open the family Bible or like, you know, wake up in the morning. I mean, somewhere obviously, but I don't know, maybe it's that kind of thing too. Like it's just, people just aren't used to it. <clears throat> maybe. Yeah, and even maybe to draw a larger point out of that, how many people, let's be really broad, I don't know where exactly the cutoff is between Gen Z and millennials, but let's, for the sake of example, how many no, people... No one does. No, no one <laughs> yeah, really does. It's made up. But it's completely arbitrary. But let's put it this way. How many young adults, if we're going to use that term, between 18 and 35 actively enjoy reading? True. Because that, I mean, if we're not, if we can't read, or not if we can't read, if we don't read or if we don't read well, how are we going to, you know, become more, you know, how are we going to learn more about theology, yeah. right? And that's just something we don't do. We have these little supercomputers in our pockets mm-hmm. and we, you know, stare at screens all day, but we don't, we don't read don't a whole read, lot. no. So at the most basic level, you know, even before we get into the, the family issues, that's a huge hurdle right there. Yeah. Yeah. But we just have so many things that distract us and, you know, get our brain's attention more so than reading does. Reading takes effort. Studying takes effort, you know. And so when we've got so many other things vying for our attention that don't take our brain as much effort, I mean, yeah, it creates that apathy because it's like, oh, man, I just, oh, studying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
And I even definitely, you know, I think back to college, I, I majored in theology in college, and that was a that was a blessing. And I, it, you know, because of my own lack of discipline, it also uh, became a struggle because I just I kind of grew over those four years to, even if I wouldn't have put it this way, I, you know, studying scripture. Spending time in prayer, yeah, that's school, and I hate school. I always hated school, right? So I kind of would conflate the two, and I think I I let that negatively impact my walk with the Lord because mm-hmm. now that's you know, that's work, and I'd rather you know be out playing disc golf or whatever the heck yeah. I was doing. Yeah, yeah, like Bible study became school. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it became education, mm-hmm. yeah. and no one wants education. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, no one. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, I would disagree. I would be a professional student if I could be, but <laughs> anyways. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, I really like the the map thing that he talks about. That was my segue mm-hmm. going into that now. Yes. Um, how I he like kind of talks segue. about like you look at a map and you see the ocean and you know like a map like lets you see like like oh I need to get from here to there so like you can kind of see that you can see how vast the ocean is. But you're not, like, experiencing the ocean, you know? Like, unless you're actually there, I mean, you can look at pictures or a map all day. It's not the same as actually being at the ocean. Mm -hmm. But then if you're at the ocean and you're experiencing it, you're only experiencing just that one part. You know, you can't see past, you know, the horizon and you can't see in the water unless you go scuba diving or something, which I won't do because it's horrifying. (laughs) Uh, It's about as bad as the dentist almost. (laughs) Um, for me, uh, under like ocean fish. Oh, it's horrifying. Anyway, it gives me chills. Oh my gosh, this is a whole new. Oh, it's a whole new hatred. It's a whole new. I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I think it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You like that? So bad. (laughs) Yeah. No. Sorry. Um, Anyways. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But like you're experiencing the ocean. You know, like you can be out there. You can feel it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can taste the salt water. Mm -hmm. You know, feel it like hitting your feet. And it's a whole different experience than just looking at it on a map. Uh, but you have to have both to have the biggest understanding yeah. of the ocean. And I, I love how he ties that in with theology. You know, you can have those super spiritual moments. You need those super spiritual moments with God, but you can't just have those. You've got to be able to build that understanding so that you know what these experiences that you're having are. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then if, if your relationship with God is only based on experience, then what happens when you're not having experiences? You know, like what happens if it feels dry, then it's like you don't have, you know, necessarily things to fall back on, you know, um, truth that you've, that you've learned, you know, through God's word. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of maturity, whether it be spiritual or otherwise, is taking our emotions with a grain of salt, right? So just because... You know, you or I had a bad day at work today does not mean our job stinks. It does not mean our life is terrible, right? Because as we grow and as we mature, we have to be able to put those feelings in perspective. Not only the negative ones, but the, you know, the incredible ones, Mm -hmm. right? The driving, you know, down the road next to the beach feelings, right? Because otherwise we're just completely at the mercy of what we're feeling in whatever fleeting moment, Mm -hmm. right? So to put that in spiritual terms, you know, when things are great, they're great and I'm super close to God and... You know, when when I have a bad day at work, I hate God and it's terrible. And what what kind of a way to live is that? Mm-hmm. But I do like uh, I like the map um, analogy that he was making because partly, you know, I think of <laughs> I think of a few years ago, um, I was on a road trip out in uh, um, California. I don't know if you guys have ever driven up and down uh, Route One. It's a really well known route, exactly that, going up and down the beach. Um, and it was so remote, like we didn't even have cell service. So like 
literally had a physical, I don't even know if people our age know what a physical map is anymore, <laughs> but we quite literally had, and it was, it was pretty like big. Like you could, yeah, you could fold it. It was, yeah. it would like take up the whole front seat. And you know, we were looking, uh, looking at the map, you know, turning it all different directions, trying to figure out where the heck we were going. Um, and you know, you, again, you see the map and it's all, it's all hypothetical, right? But then you see, you know, you step out of the car off on the side of the road and you see what the map was referring to. And suddenly the map, Makes sense. The map makes sense, right? And you you can tie it back, you know, you can tie the reality of what you're seeing right in front of you mm-hmm. back to the hypothetical version, mm-hmm. right? But without those two in combination, you know, what's the point of a map if it doesn't indicate anything, mm-hmm. right? Or how the heck are you going to find that beautiful view if you don't have directions to get to it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I like it. I like it. It's a good one. Also, with along with um, when he, I don't know, this came to mind when I was reading this section. Um, I don't know who said it, but it, they were just saying that, um, like, everyone has a theology, just not everyone has a correct one, you know, or a good one. Um, and so you're saying, because everyone has some sort of, like, even if they say there's not God or there is, you know, whatever, everyone has some idea of God. Um, and so when you when you dig into um, Christian doctrine um, and the theology of, you know, of the God we know to be the true God, then... Um, then you're you're able to have a good theology and lead people along with mm-hmm. you. So, yeah. so I would say the next thing that he <clears throat> that he really goes into is kind of making the difference between the terms begetting and making. Um, so I really I've never heard this concept before of like. Like, I've always heard, you know, from John 3, 16, you know, Jesus was God's only begotten son. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had, like, a basic understanding of what it meant. But him saying, like, he begat Jesus, but he made us. Yeah. Like, seeing that difference was really, really neat. Um, I remember when I was little, I don't remember who told me this. And this definitely would be a whole other podcast. But someone told me, like, if you want, like, the most, like, the, the if you're looking for a version of the Bible to read go immediately to John 3.16 and see if it says the word begotten because that's that's going to be the best translation. So, and I believe that that's for so long. I, and uh, like I said, that goes into a whole other podcast about different versions of the Bible. I mm. think we've, we kind of did something like that. Sort back of. In season one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I believe that for a long time. So mm. when he started talking about it again, I was like, oh, I can see why someone told me that, why they thought that was super important. I get that now. Yeah. I still don't think that's <laughs> how you should choose a translation, but we'll have to we'll have to do a little research on that. Yeah. That's interesting, but but yeah, I thought that was really cool. A, a lot of these chapters that we're going to be discussing in this week's episode and next week's were just kind of mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Just concepts I never thought of before. Yeah, and I never like that. That's begotten is one of those words. I think he even mentions it in the chapters. No one in casual conversation <laughs> uses that word, right? So it's one of those where, like, when you're reading scripture or even just reading this chapter, like, there are certain words when you're reading that you you see the word, you just kind of glaze over mm-hmm. it, almost just kind of mentally toss it aside as like, oh, it's one of those old school ones. You don't mm-hmm. you don't really think about it. And I I would always have just kind of conflated begotten with making, mm-hmm. right? But Lewis makes the point that you beget something or someone that is like you, right? So a father and mother beget a child. Mm-hmm. If I'm even saying that right. I think, <laughs> but, no, that makes sense. No, you beget so. a child, whereas God begets Christ, but he makes a man, right? Yes. Because we are not in the same likeness as Christ, right? And those are completely, completely different. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, so kind of, he, he definitely makes the difference between making and begetting. And uh, one of the notes I wrote down here is that everything God made is like God, but not the same, and man being the most like God that he created. But then you've got Jesus, who's begat by God, and or begotten. What would be I think begotten. begotten. He begets, but we're begotten. Yeah, I think begotten. Begotten. He was begotten by God, which means like Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. He is a, not. He's a part of God. He was not just made like God, mm-hmm. like we are. He's not like God. He was a part of God. Is, is a part yeah. of God. And uh, I don't know. Just just him bringing that up is really what solidified the difference for me. Yeah. And again, he uses, and maybe I'm skipping ahead too far in the chapter here, but he uses another example of the statue, right? So mm-hmm. a statue yeah. of a man is indicative of of that person, right? But it's not the real person, right? You can't just go up and have a conversation with the statue, right? So there's, there's a disconnect between um, the actual physical being and the indicator of that being, right? And it's the same... I think you could use the same example with the map, right? The map indicates the place you're trying to get to, but it's not the real thing, mm-hmm. right? It's not the same as actually standing there and saying, oh, okay, that's what this map was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it made, it made a little more sense um, or started to um, give me kind of a different perspective on like us being made in the image of God um, because we do say that and, and we say it a lot and it's true, but then it's like... I don't know, you don't really dig into it um, that often, but he was saying that um, in the way that um, Jesus was begotten, (laughs) the begotten son, (laughs) um, he is of the same type as God. He is God, like you said, um, where we are not because we're not, we're, I I don't know, yeah, it was just a very interesting, like, you can only make something that's not, the same thing as yourself so when God makes us we are not the same as himself we are like him in ways we reflect him but we're not God right. <laughs> basically yeah and you can even I, I'm looking at a at a quote right here it says the stat and again going back to the statue mm-hmm. statue has the same shape of a mm-hmm. man but it's not alive right yeah. in the same way man has the shape or the likeness of God mm-hmm. right having been created by God but he has not got the kind of life that God has, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So we're we're moving in that, like you said, we're moving in that direction. But we, on this side of heaven in this physical world, we are not all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? and we're not we're not born with that, and we are not. We also can't gain that on our own as well. I think would be good points. I don't know if he makes those exactly in this chapter, but he, he kind of does. kind of does. Yeah. It's really in the later chapters. He's all like. You know, because in this chapter he's talking about, you know, Jesus being begotten. Yeah. But then he's like, okay, so yes, like, in a, I, I, it might be the next chapter. Mm-hmm. But he talks about, yes, Jesus was begotten, but actually he's always been. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's been both. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think we'll get into that in the next chapter. Yeah, I think sure. so. Um, yeah. So, okay, so with the, the last bit, I think I maybe got hung up on his terminology at first. In just these last, like, when he talks about the different words for life. Oh, bios and zoe? Y- yeah. Is it zoe like, or zoe? I think it's like zoe, I zoe. think, is how it would be, but I'm not for sure. Um, but, so he was saying, like, biological and spiritual, and I was like, well, but there's 
there's more than than that. And I was because I was thinking how we talk about. I mean, yes, we are physical, biological creatures. But we know that all people are created with like an eternal soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think that I was kind of like, just like getting hung up on, not his point. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't know if y'all had. I thought that part was kind of interesting. I think he's just talking about, you know, before. Before we become saved, you know, like, we're just bios. Like, we're just really nature. Like, we don't have a spirit. I mean, we have a spirit, but it's not, like, alive, like, eternally. Like, I mean, it's alive eternally, but not well, in Christ. That's right. Well, that's what, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's what, um, we almost it would be, like, dead eternally, basically. Yeah, like, moving toward death eternally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's important to his point. I was just like, oh, man, he didn't, he, I don't know. Um, he kind of left that part out. Um, it almost seems like too important of a point to kind of gloss over in less than a paragraph. Yeah. That's, that was, <laughs> he does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just thought it would be just important to kind of make note of like, um, he is talking about, when he says bios, he is saying just like us as humans. Um, I, I assume, I mean, I know that he thinks we have eternal souls because he mentions it. Um, it just wasn't maybe relevant. But, I mean, it is it is to a I mean, it's a something good to to bring out. I think it's mm-hmm. like we're not just animalistic biological creatures on this, you know, biological food chain kind of thing. We're created in the image of God, and part of that is having um, an eternal part within us that is either eternally dead or eternally alive in Christ. Yeah. So, uh, just thought that was that had stuck out to me. Yeah, and I really like again. I'm going to quote here uh, at the end of the chapter. It says, bios, the statue, right, has to be sure a certain shadowy or symbolic resemblance to Zoe, like Mm -hmm. we've talked about, you know, the map example again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But only the resemblance there is between a photo and a place or a statue and a man, right? And he says at the very end, that's precisely what Christianity is about. This world is a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues, and there's a rumor going around the shop that we're going to come to life, Mm -hmm. right? So the same way that a statue... You know, you think you sculpt a statue that was never alive to begin with, but it's dead, right? There's no there's no life in it. You can't interact with it. Mm-hmm. It's just stuck there, yeah. right? But in Christ, we, we start there, but we come to life mm-hmm. in Him, mm-hmm. right? And I've, I've, I never, you know, before reading this, I never would have thought about it like that before. But we go from, you know, again, begetting versus making, right? We are made in Christ, but He in Him... You know, that's a different way of thinking about the fact that he gives us life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's good. I did think it was interesting that he used the statue thing, because if you read um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that's how, um, yeah. you know, they, they get turned into statues by the evil, you know, the white witch. Oh, I didn't and make then, that connection at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, but oh, then as yeah, and then Aslan, who's the Christ figure, breathes life into them and they become back you know yeah. I was oh, like oh that's, that's man that was so cool yeah. <laughs> but yeah I just thought I was like that's maybe he genius well I know I was like maybe he because he wrote these first I see like this mere Christianity first and so it's like maybe he was thinking he about it. it I think so mm-hmm. yeah because I think um, I think the Chronicles of Narnia came out later I want to say after World War II oh, okay. since it I think I think they're based in uh, based around the war yeah in fact yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were close. They they were probably close. Yeah. And even I'm thinking back I'm now. Gonna it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna guess the I'm gonna guess 
The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came out in 19... Let's go 47. By the way, one of... I'll say this. I'm not a big movie person, but one of the great travesties of, like, cinematic history is that not all seven of those have been made into movies. Okay, Netflix has purchased... Them. Oh Did yeah, you know that, that? that yeah, well, that's we're hopeful about. I know, Netflix. I know, I know, but <laughs> maybe. Oh my goodness, I no! I, I'm just thinking of. I mean, it was probably 15 years ago. The uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie came out. Hey, that was. I mean, I. It was 17 years ago. Was it 17? No, that, it's that's not. 2004. That came. <laughs> You're kidding! It was that long. Two, ago. Oh. 16 years ago. Okay, oh. 2005. Can, okay, yeah, okay. it was 2005. Yeah, I can math. that came yeah. out. It was so good. Yeah, and then it's like as these movie series go. Prince Caspian was decent. Voyage of the Dawn Treader was kind of mediocre. And I think, I don't even think they made the silver chair. I think that was it. They yeah, were going to. They were going to. And then production and the like, problem is by that point, the kid actors are like 32 years old. It's like, well, that was well, fun. See, <laughs> Eustace, the, the kid that comes in, that's their, like their cousin that comes in and Dawn Treader, uh, he was supposed to be the main character in Silver Chair and Last Battle. He's the main oh, character in both of those Don't tell books. me. I haven't read Last Battle yet. Oh, spoilers. Don't tell me. Read it. Well, ASAP. He's not, oh, you work in a library yeah, and no, you haven't read the last book. But goodness. I started reading it and I was like, oh, this is going to be. It was getting into the sad part. Anyway, I just. The sad part's the, the best part. It's a hard read. It was hard and it was right at the beginning of quarantine. And I was like, I just. Oof. Yeah. yeah not a good time I read, to read that. I read a book that touched on Grace a whole lot. So, anyway. Well, good. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was written in 1950. 1950? 1950. Oh, man. I was off. So. Mere Christianity was written... It's got to be in here, right? I think. Legally, it has to be in I here. used to know. At the beginning of this... When 1952. I was no way. Way. Well... So he threw some Narnia in Mere Christianity, but, basically. But he, these talks, these were talks first. So True. he probably did the radio talks first. True. Then wrote Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. And then came back and made yes. the talks into a book. That's true. Yeah, because he did the talks still during the war or like yeah. right at the tail end. yeah okay but yeah no that was piecing it all together clavis right. tapes you can't keep us confused forever <laughs> oh my god alright so is there anything else on this uh, this first chapter you guys wanted to go into before we uh, utterly annihilate chapter two I did have one thing okay. I don't mean it in a bad way no yeah um, okay so at the bottom of page 158 <laughs> okay. he says in parentheses one of his weird random statements that you're like what are you talking about <laughs> he goes there may be creatures in other oh. worlds who are more like God than man is, but we do not know about them. And I was like, angels or aliens? What does he mean? <laughs> he believed in aliens. Maybe. <laughs> he does have a whole, the space trilogy, where he writes about a guy that goes to a different planet. Maybe he's just referencing that. Maybe. But, I don't know. So do you guys think he blew, he was, here's the question. And people can email Jeremiah with their answer. <laughs> or email me and Timothy with their answer. <laughs> Was he talking about angels, or was he talking about aliens? Oh, definitely aliens. Definitely aliens. Definitely. I would like to think he's got like a whole collection of UFO <laughs> conspiracy conspiracy theories somewhere, and we just haven't found them. Yeah. That would be the more entertaining. That's why. That's, that's why they're coming way. out now on like the news and stuff with the UFOs. Is they they found a secret they stash, and they're like, papers. oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, world-renowned theologian C.S. Lewis, and then his secret papers <laughs> about alien invasions. Oh my gosh! Uh, I hope so. That Maybe he's so. seen some aliens. <laughs> it makes you wonder. Oh. But he says we don't know about them, so it makes me think that it almost has to be aliens because we know at least that angels exist. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going with aliens. He's definitely done. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's be let's be optimists and say aliens. Yeah. I, I didn't listen to the recording. Maybe he says it in like a sarcastic tone mm, in maybe. the recording. Maybe that's true. He does throw. If that you listen to the head. recording and you know what he sounded like when he said that, maybe he didn't say this at all. Maybe he had this in the book. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's in But if you do know, uh, email Jeremiah. Anyway, chapter two. <laughs> That's an ongoing joke. I don't know if you I guess, know this Do you joke. really cut that out every time? Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> you shouldn't. Well. You should leave it in. <laughs> People need to email you. Yeah, they do. All right, so chapter two talks about the three personal God. Which is involves the Holy Spirit. Involves the Holy Spirit. Like, he, he can't. He, he can't dodge it this time. He doesn't name him though until. until like I won't spoiler alert. He does name him, but he does not name him in this chapter. He does comes he not? Very, No, he doesn't. He comes real close, but he doesn't name him. Does he not? Nope. This is the chapter you think he would. I know. I thought it was this chapter. Is nope. it not? It's not. That's crazy. I know. Bonkers. Yeah, we've been we've been trying to determine when he would mention the Holy Spirit by name, <laughs> and so... He, he hasn't done it this whole book. Nope. He's refused to. <laughs> he's... <laughs> starting, like, we've we legitimately thought, maybe he said something against the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't... Like, even the times he does mention the Holy Spirit, like, it's very minimal. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's more he just doesn't understand or knew how to study the Holy Spirit, possibly. Well, he talks... It'll be next episode. Will it be next yeah, episode? Yeah, it will. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He starts to really um, dig into the Trinity in this chapter. Um, he talks about how it's possible that um, God can be three persons in one, um, and gives some examples, which I thought were kind of interesting. I like the prayer example. Mm, what I wrote in my notes is, you you pray to God by God mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Like that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to figure these things out. I'm going to say that's the likely answer. But I don't know if I've ever found a really, really good analogy for the Trinity where I just, I read it and I'm like, yeah, that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the the example of the three, the lines, mm-hmm. is close to it. I'll give it that. So it talks about uh, the one dimension, right? It's just the straight line. And then if you add a second dimension... You can draw a square or a rectangle or a triangle, right? And then mm-hmm. if you add the third dimension, you have a solid cube, right? A 3D mm-hmm. object. Right. Now, you don't, you know, the first dimension, the line is still there. You haven't gotten rid of it. Mm-hmm. You're just building on, you're built, the second element is building on the first and the mm-hmm. third is building on the second, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was, um, I thought that was an interesting one. Um I don't think there's a way to perfectly give an illustration for the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's just too outside the realm of human understanding mm-hmm. for us to come up with, like, a proper analogy. And I think that's why it's so hard to, to do that mm-hmm. and why there's so many trying to explain it. But, like, even with this one, you know, like, like I think it's really good, but it's still, like, who's the one dimension Who's the two dimension? Why does the two dimension have more shape and form than the first dimension? Because that makes it seem like there's not equal. Yeah. Footing well, and there is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And in two, it's like, it does start to break apart too. If you think like, um, in order for, like, if you think about an actual cube, in order for that to still be a cube, like all those squares have to stay. They're all have to stay like in the same 
you know, location or whatever. They couldn't be elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was, I don't know, it was a good, like, imagine never, like, never having heard of, you know, God is three people in one God. Um, I think this would be a good, I think a, so. you know, a good way to start to have a concept. Yeah. Um, and every, every example, every, the more that you try to explain and, and, you know, the I think you, no, I'm saying the more you think, <laughs> the more you see explanations, Uh-oh. um, you, it maybe can help you think about it a little differently, you know, and think. I was thinking the more that I try to explain something, the worse it usually gets because I I make it more confusing. Maybe. Maybe if it's a bad analogy, then. um, Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but even, uh, Timothy, to your point a minute ago, he says, I think on the next page, right, our, for humanity, you know, we have the three dimensions, right? We have the line, we have the shape, and then we have the 3D cube, Mm -hmm. right? The humanity's dimension is the straight line, Mm -hmm. right? That's the extent to which our understanding goes, right? Which is maybe why we can't fully comprehend the Trinity, right? God's dimension is the full Trinity, which is the cube, right? Mm -hmm. We could go into, you know, the obvious problem with that is that the cube is reliant first and foremost on the straight line. Mm -hmm. Without the straight line, there's no cube. And Mm -hmm. that that throws things completely out of whack. But even, you know, okay, fair enough, at the most basic level, there's a certain dimension, you know, think about just the realities of time and space. Mm -hmm. If we're going to cheat and sneak peek chapter three here for a moment (laughs) but you know there are you know the dimension within which god operates is so completely outside of of human comprehension Mm -hmm. that i think if we just look at it from that point of view it's a really really good analogy yeah yeah for sure and i liked too when he talked about um our concept of like he says at a human level one person is one person one person is another person there's no like there's no way to make those people together, right? Other than just like, hey, you're my friend, you know, or like, <laughs> there's, um, and so, but when you, um, when we start to think about this in terms of like the body of Christ, like the, like scripture says we are one body, you know, one faith, one baptism. Um, and we can't understand that just on like, like a, like a visible level. Um, but it's kind of those like, you know, those higher things. And you start to think about that and it's like, Oh, okay. In some way. <laughs> and you learn more as you, as you grow in your faith, but in some way we are, you know, like all Christians are the bride. All Christians. Yeah. Are the bride of Christ. Like that's a entity yeah. in itself. Yeah. But then each individual is completely different. Yeah. So I liked it. I liked it from that perspective too. But, um. I like the whole illustration as well with like the, like the telescope, you know, how, yes. like, you know, if you're looking at God through like a dirty lens, then it can bring like false views of God. Well, okay. So I had a question about that. Yeah. What page is that even on? Um, I think it's 164. Is he, he's talking about like a yeah, yeah, I see sunlight that. being re- reflected. Oh yeah. I wasn't. Oh, is that not the one? Yeah. It's the part after that, but yeah, we can talk about the No, one. go That's... ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. Well, he he just talks about, you know, like, you look through a dirty telescope, and he's like, this is why horrible nations have horrible religions. They've been looking at God through a dirty lens. Like, that's why there's, like, really strange and really just messed up views of God. It's because people see through a bad lens. So is the lens bad theology? Is that what y'all took that as? I took it to mean the lens is... Maybe bad theology, but bad theology stems from human imperfection, mm-hmm. right? So if I look at it and I say, okay, my 
you know, as if we just have one vice. My vice is pride. Like I'm, I'm arrogant. I'm egotistical. Right. If I view God through that lens, mm-hmm. right. Who is God? God is there to serve me. God is there oh. to project onto my greatness. And I that see. becomes my perversion of Christianity. Okay. Right. So if we, you know, this is part of where, you know, repentance comes in in such a big way. But if we view God through our sinful nature in that way, mm-hmm. we are going to naturally, and it could be ego, it could be fear, it could be it could be a million different sins. But if we view God through that dirty lens, we are going to end up with a perversion of the truth. I see. So that, that's you, the way I that's God. the way I took it. Yeah. Yeah, you twist God to see him how you want to see him, but not how he is. Yeah, and of course in invariably that ends up being self serving, right? Like you yeah. take you take your own sinful preferences, right, for how you want God to look, and you project it on. So, for example, if you, uh, Pastor Shane was preaching last night mm-hmm. about, and he, you know, he was kind of careful not to name names, right, but uh, he said there was a woman who was having an argument, an older woman who was having an argument with her niece or her granddaughter or something like that, and that they were arguing about a, a theological issue. And the granddaughter, I think maybe granddaughter, was saying, you know, there's no evidence in Scripture for this position and the the grandmother kind of blows up and she says i don't care if it's in the bible i was taught it that way so that's how it is and that's that's a great example of it right we we take our own preconceived notions that may have nothing to do with the lord nothing to do with scripture whatsoever Mm -hmm. and we read scripture through those lens in order to selfishly affirm what we already brought to the table i gotcha how are you seeing it well i wasn't sure um, so I was going to ask. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask. Oh, okay. Dead side. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> well, so then, um, so then when it says, it says, if man, if a man's self is not kept clean and bright, his glimpse of God will be blurred. Y'all took that as like repentance then? Is Where that is what, that? Um, in that same paragraph. It says, like, the moon seen through a dirty telescope. I would say partly through repentance, but also just through, I mean, following a basic command of Scripture, which is to lead a clean and blameless life. Mm. Right? We will view, if we are living out our faith actively, we are more likely to view God through a clean lens, right? Mm. But if we are, you know, again, I think of a recent uh, sermon here at Walnut, if we are showing up to church and then going out in the world and you know and showing something that has nothing to do with Christ I think I'm, I'm going to botch this quote but it was really powerful um, I think again I think it was Shane who said uh, the most effective evangelist for atheism see again I'm botching it I know, um, I know what you're uh, yeah you know exactly what I'm trying to say <laughs> and I just can't get the words out uh, the basically you're an evangelist for atheism when you claim to be a Christian but live otherwise. Mm, I see. Right, and again, that's a yeah. gross paraphrase. But, so partly it's repentance, but, you know, and those two things are intertwined, obviously, but repentance and godly living mm-hmm. will lead to more accurate understandings and reflections of who God is, right? Yeah. Otherwise, and it's like it says in uh, the same paragraph you were quoting, from horrible nations have horrible religions because from the very beginning... They're focused on something other than God. Mm-hmm. They're focused on usually in one way or another self-worship. Mm-hmm. Right? Most of our sin 
and you know we can name off a million different vices here, but most of our sins somehow relates to worship of the self. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the last parts of this chapter that really stuck up to stuck out to me was um, the last paragraph. He said, "If Christianity was something we were making up, of course we could make it easier, mm-hmm. but it is not." We cannot compete in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. How could we? We are dealing with fact. Of course, anyone can be simple if he has no facts to bother about. And I was just like, that's something else I've never thought about. Like, a really good argument. It's just like, you know, oh, you guys are just making all this stuff up to, to you know, make other people look bad or whatever, or to condemn them so you can feel better about yourself. And it's just like, okay, but if... If we were making this up, <laughs> then why wouldn't we make this easier for ourselves? Yeah. Because... This is so complicated. Why would we make it this hard if it wasn't true, you know? Yeah. And we have a natural inclination, maybe especially as, you know, those living in the 21st century Western world, we have a natural inclination towards what is easy and convenient, mm-hmm. right? And again, I what I wrote down in my notes here is with the experimental, you know, the made-up religions, right? We are in the driver's seat, right? And again, going back to the self-worship, it revolves around us. And I think he even says in the previous paragraph, initiation is on our side, right? Mm -hmm. It's on our terms for our glory, for our comfort, right? There are very few things, for good or ill, there are very few things we value in this life more than comfort, right? But again, to your point, if we were making this up, I mean, this is about as, you know, the Christian faith is about as uncomfortable as it gets, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to know scripture all that well to know that. So why would we, if this was something we just concocted, why would we not make it, you know, a heck of a lot easier than it is? Well, and also make it more for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because this, I mean, the whole Christian faith is based around, and this is what he's proved at the beginning of the book, you know, that we are sinful and... You know, we have sin in our lives. We we don't meet the standards of a perfect God. And it's like, with with our nature of being self-serving, if we wanted to make our own religion, you would think that would be the last thing that we would be trying to make is saying, oh, we're evil people. Yeah, and that's exactly... And he draws the comparison, right? So he says experimental religions, the initiative is on our side. Mm-hmm. And I paraphrase that here by saying we're in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. Right. But knowing God and living the Christian life, the initiative is, in fact, on his side, right? So you hear, you know, again, you hear people say, or maybe we've said before, like, I found God. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we treat God as if it's like a page on Where's Waldo or something. We don't find <laughs> God because we don't have, in and of ourselves, right, we don't have that ability. We are not, to use the cube analogy earlier, we are not living within a dimension where we can simply look around and say, oh, there's God, we found him. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have that power. And in a experimental, you know, to use his term, experimental self-serving religion, mm-hmm. who do you think will have that power? I'm going to have that power. Yeah, yeah. Right? it's got on your own terms. Exactly. We take the self-serving and the self-glorifying nonsense, for lack of a better term, and essentially Christianity is just the inverse of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something else he brought up in the chapter was that the initiative lies on God to form like that bond uh, to seek us out. And then it's our initiative to either accept or reject mm-hmm. his gift to us. Yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, it's been awesome stuff. 
yeah. theology. This is why we study theology. This is cool <laughs> stuff, guys. This, this is, is cool really stuff. cool stuff. Yeah. Next week's going to be even cooler stuff. So you better listen to next week's episode, too, <laughs> which will be next week. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave on this point because I think this is really important to drive home because I think we can almost go too much in the, op, you know, we talk about the self-worship and the self-glorification of experimental religions, right? But we can also go too far on the other side of the spectrum and say, yes, we are helpless. Yes, we are sinful. But, you know, it is so much in God's hands that we don't really need to do mm-hmm. anything, right? Where's the responsibility? Where's the commitment on our end? And he says, and again, this is circled, underlined, so on and so forth. God can only show himself as he really is to real men, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's the commitment we, we give to God, that we owe to God, right? When Jesus, I think it was in Matthew, well, Matthew and Luke, uh, when Jesus calls his disciples, he says three things, right? He says, deny yourselves daily, take up your cross, and follow me, right? And that's almost three parts of the same command. Right, but when I when you see real when I see the term real men, I think, yeah, those are the three prerequisites right there. Mm. So, again, you know, far be it from us to think, well, it's all in God's hands; we can do what we want because we're helpless anyway. Right. Yeah, so that's maybe that's the last point I would want to make there. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else out of either of these chapters that is maybe in y'all's notes that you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Cause I got everything out of my notes. I think I'm good. I'm uh, looking forward to next week. Yeah. Yes. I think one thing that was just that was just kind of silly. I was reading. I think I, I don't remember if I listened first or read, but he says on page 162 that people think about God as or something. Anyway, so he he uses the term the term super personal, <laughs> and I took it as like super personal like like your best friend as opposed to personal <laughs> it's like oh. just a friend <laughs> but that's not what he meant he meant like beyond personal anyway yeah that's all it was very dumb but <laughs> um no i um i really enjoyed these chapters this has been something good so. yeah agreed yeah so if you haven't read any yet to start with book four and oh we can talk about how he almost names the holy spirit <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, he well so this prayer analogy not to like get us back on anything but the when he talks about um prayer being the way that um that you're drawn into the life that god has um i, I loved it i loved this that section um but he talks he says he says um that we know that what is prompting us to pray is god so to speak inside of us and so that was like we're getting to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, but that was that is a good that was a good section. We'll, we'll hear about the Holy Spirit for the first time next week. Next so week. Stay tuned. That's right. Or tune back in. Yeah, retune I yourself. Guess. In a week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those y'all, are y'all very are, radio broadcast terms. Y'all are a guitar. Sometimes you tune in and you and you play and you listen, you sound good and then and then for a week, you know, you're not there and you gotta you gotta re retune it after a week. You, you know, retune your brains back into the podcast. That's right. That's right. Back into the Clive Stapes is teaching us how to make the good analogies. <laughs> I know. Here. Preferably retune yourself in a lot of different geographical locations so that we can say Ooh. we've got listeners in thirty seven states. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Shameless yeah. plug, right? If you're on vacation 
listen. bring it up, hit us yeah. up. Right? Yeah, that's right. Be <laughs> listening while you're at the beach. It's the best mm-hmm. place to listen. Mm-hmm. Won't be accurate because you don't actually live in that state, but it'll make us feel good. Yeah, so. it will. <laughs> so do it. I mean, well, what's really important at the end of the day? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk about what's been good, what's y'all. Been good. Yeah, okay. what's been good. Yeah. yeah. Do y'all have anything right offhand? Something that's just been a way God has worked in you, or just maybe you just like the weather like Melissa does most weeks. <laughs> it's good weather. Uh, <laughs> it makes me happy. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. I can't blame you for the weather. Um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, this is uh, broad, but really two things come to mind. Uh, first, uh, my, my work is going really well. It's been, uh, God has blessed me in wonderful ways in my career, and I'm doing uh doing work that I love and that's meaningful and I get to, you know, make a difference in people's lives. And that's a, that's just been an incredible joy over the last few years. And, uh, just seeing, seeing the way that, that that has progressed has been really gratifying. Um, and, uh, you know, really, you know, I moved, I moved to, uh, to Kentucky and to Owensboro for that purpose. And, uh, seeing, seeing some of that come to fruition has been really great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'll say uh, that's been really good is, um, I'm seeing now partly, you know, I've had both my younger siblings are graduating this year, one from high school and one from college. But uh, even outside of that, I'm I'm on track to see my family more this year than I have since I was since I moved out of my parents' house after high school, which is really cool. Because I mean, yeah. I've had years where, you know, I when I was living farther away from them, or you know, I'd see them twice a year maybe, and that always, you know, I'm pretty close with them. That always kind of left me with a bad taste in my mouth. But I think this year, I'm gonna see them like five or six times, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool. And it yeah. hasn't, it hasn't always been that way. So that's one thing that just like that, that gets me excited again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. All right, Timothy, what's been good. So, um, so I finally got some like t-shirts in at the coffee yes. shop, which is pretty cool. Very exciting. Uh, uh, as of this moment of this recording, cause Jeremiah said this is probably coming out June 8th. So the first line of T-shirts have already come out, and everyone's already wearing them out everyone in public. Everyone in Owensboro. Yes, everyone in Owensboro is already wearing them. <laughs> um, I'm also hosting a T-shirt contest, which will be over by the time this episode comes mm. out. But the wedding design, as of this recording, whenever when this episode comes out, will probably still be be getting printed onto shirts. Mm-hmm. So those shirts are probably almost available. They're probably up for pre-order right now, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to have some T-shirts and, I don't know, it just makes it seem more official. Yeah. So it's just fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Should I use my What's Been Good to plug the conference in July? Hey, Could I do that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so we've been... Um, we being the young adult ministry here at Walnut, has been putting together a conference for um, young adults and young adult leaders and churches in the area. <clears throat> and so if you're in the area, um, or if you're on vacation from the area <laughs> listening to this, <laughs> it'll be on um, July 23rd at 6 p.m. at Walnut, and you can go to our website and register. But we're going to talk about how to um, create community 
um, in college and as a young adult when you kind of, um, there's a lot more potential to fall through the, through the crack if you're, you know, kind of transitioning from your youth group and maybe your church doesn't have something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would love for you to join us. Yeah. Or if you're in yes. Georgia and you want to drive here, you can do that too. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, Ireland, wherever. Yeah. <laughs> that one drive from Ireland. Do <laughs> <laughs> <Being> a coward. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so we've been working on that. Pretty excited about it. I just feel bad. I, I called our one listener from Ireland a coward. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. Don't leave. So I have to ask a question here yeah. just because I feel the need to insert controversy um, when it's not needed. But we have <laughs> okay. to, I, feel, I think we have to define our terms here. So okay. what exactly are we defining? I've been asking this question ever since I came here. Okay. What is our definition of young adult? We, right. What age range? How do we define no, nobody that? Nobody knows. Well, we would say 18 to 30-ish. We'd yeah. say that, but Shane is still in the group. Yeah, I mean, Shane's like 52. Well, Shane is still... Shane. <laughs> Shane, don't kill me, please. Shane, I know you're in your 40s. Don't... Yeah, yeah, he's a groom. Shane is like 82 though, years so. old, and he's still in the young adult. Actually, no, we were allowed to roast Shane, because yeah. he's supposed to give us uh, some fancy lunches right. every episode, and it has not happened has except not happened. once. Fair enough. You know what? I gave him credit earlier for a quote when he was preaching, so now I get to make fun of him for being old. How about that? <laughs> he is a grandpa, officially, so... True. You could, you know. Anyway. We can call him Grandpa. <laughs> Grampy Shane. Grampy Shane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Thank um, you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you, Nathan, for being on the podcast. Yeah, yes. thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll All right. see you guys next week. We won't, why do I say that every time? <laughs> we'll never see them. <laughs> we won't hear you either, but until you'll hear we go live, Until we do live video on YouTube. <laughs> no. Then at least they will see us. No. <laughs> Live podcast. Yeah. Coming soon. All the unedited <laughs> stuff. That'd be scary. Can we do, okay, thought. can we do like a se- end of season bloopers? That'd be, that'd actually be really that fun. Was, <laughs> that we have so fun. many. Just all the, all the screw-ups from the entire season compounded oh, into one hilarious. episode. That no, there was actually at one point a lady like came in and opened the door and was like asking us questions. I don't even remember what it, what it was. She was asking someone to go downstairs and turn down, like turn on the music or something. Yeah, something like that. So that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll that'd see about that. Maybe that's what yeah. we'll do. Definitely no video though. Yeah, no video. Until season 16. Yes. If, there, if we get 16 seasons, we'll do, do video. Okay. Alright, well, we'll see you guys. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> See y'all. Bye.